Welcome to It's a Good Good Podcast. My name is Hayden. I'm Chris. I'm Harry. And yeah, we're just a bunch of guys having talks about theology, the Bible, and God. And basically our whole goal is just to be accessible to anyone that you don't need a theology seminary degree right. to be able to talk about God. We definitely. want to make it easy and simple. I definitely don't have any of those degrees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true, though. I mean, you just have to be interested in it. Mm-hmm. All the information's out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are all back together again, um, which is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. But last week we were on the phone with each other, which was good, and we were talking about what is the Bible, and I think we'll probably continue that conversation at some point, but we led that conversation at the very end, and we were like, okay, no matter where this thing comes from, a lot of people put a lot of their faith in what their worldview is into this book. So, what does it mean to have faith? That's yeah. the question we're asking. Yeah, well, I think, too, taking a step back, it's like a lot of people read this book, and unlike reading other books, <clears throat> they choose to have faith in it. Using faith as a noun or to have faith in something, um, I think, is what we want to discuss today. Like, what exactly does that mean? And I think the Bible explains that in a couple different ways, but I think it's one of those Christianese words that, like, I myself have trouble with defining personally in this day and age. So, what is faith? Um... I would say, <laughs> just as, at a high level, I think this is pretty good timing for this conversation. Once again, just like for me personally, yeah. throughout the weeks of having deep theological discussions, I realized I had somewhat of an unrealistic expectation of like, I think I'm going to develop a closer relationship with God. Like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to grow in my faith, and I'm going to feel more comfortable about my beliefs. It's actually proven to be the opposite. It's been. The more I talk about it, the more discomfort I feel, number one, and the more I realize that I don't know. Especially when we talked about like what the Bible is and do you have faith in it and stuff. It's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, I think I talk to a lot of people who are very comfortable in that belief. Like, I, I just can't, can't get there. I can't develop the faith or whatever that would mean. So it's good timing for me to talk about it. I don't know how scripturally sound I'll be in what I talk about. It'll probably just be, like I said on the last one. A lot of like, I just feel this, mm-hmm. like I just think that that's how it is. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think a lot of people don't take the time to dive into mm-hmm. their like religious faith, quotes mm-hmm. unquotes, at the depth that we are now. And that's why I'm really glad for anyone who's listening along mm-hmm. with us is it's easy to believe something that's like a very surface level truth to say like, hey trust in Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can be like, screw you, man. I do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, what does it mean to trust in De- mm-hmm. Jesus? The more that you pull back the layers, you're like, wow, do I, do I, do I have faith? And on the flip side of that too, it's like, there's a lot of people who would um, call themselves Christians or say that they have faith that don't have these kind of conversations. There's also people who are shying away from it or saying that they don't have faith and they're never going to follow something like that, who mm-hmm. also are not having the conversations <clears throat> or asking the questions that would get them to understand why they feel that way. Yeah. I so. think it's really uncomfortable to admit you don't know things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the further you get into that, the more you have these conversations about faith and like what you believe, the more you find out you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was telling Harry earlier, there was a point in my life where I thought I knew everything. Like I yeah. subscribed to a certain theology that had the answers to everything. And I was like, great, this is so obvious to me, like, how could it be any other way? Mm -hmm. And the more I talked with people, especially people that were very different from me, the more it really challenged what I believed and made me think, well, maybe I don't believe that. And now, like, if you ask me a point of view on a certain, like, most really intense topics, I'm going to say, 
This is what I'm thinking right now, but I don't really know. That's funny, too, because it ties back to something that, that Garrett said in the, the Catholicism episode. He's like, mm-hmm. we look at Protestantism as just not having the full picture. There's like pieces missing and whatnot. And I think what we're talking about, too, and tying that into the faith conversation, and I don't know if we're specifically talking about Protestant faith or we're just talking about faith in general. Like, that's really something interesting to, to expand upon, too. But I, I need to find a way to be comfortable in that not having the answers or having pieces missing. To, to tension, you yes. live in. Constant tension. Yeah. <laughs> Constant discomfort. You know, I, I find, though, that it's it's not always well-received, but I feel like it has the, a much higher frequency of being well-received if you tell people mm-hmm. that are struggling with something really hard, like, man, I love you and I'm going to pray for you, but I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, it's hard to hear sometimes, but it's also good because you can struggle with people and not just try to tell them what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, I know that when my, my brother was really, really sick and about to die, we had a pastor come over. I didn't have high expectations for, like, what he would say and do. And he was very straightforward. It was like, I got no answers for you. Like, this is going to be terrible. I don't know why this is happening. Mm. There's not really anything that's going to make the suffering better. Um, he did say that, like, it is proof in just suffering in general that the level of suffering you feel is equivalent to the level of love that you experience with that person during their lifetime. But he's like, as, as far as answering that or making you feel better, or, I can't do anything like that's that. Good. And I was like, dang. Because I think a lot of times pastors or people that work in the church, as you guys yeah. would both know, probably feel uncomfortable with that expectation of people that's like, you give me some of your faith or like, give me, yeah. give me the answers. There's this pressure in leadership at the church to solve problems for mm-hmm. people. And like people come to you and they're like, hey, like I'm dealing with this. And you feel like if you don't give them an answer, then you're not doing your job. Mm-hmm. You really have to fight that feeling and just be okay not knowing, which they might not like. But... No, especially, <laughs> especially in those times. Yeah. It's not okay not knowing. Like. Yeah. This is tension that we're talking about and feeling on, like, daily life when we come in here and just, like, hang out as three bros. Like, Mm -hmm. in those situations, in those times in life, Mm. that discomfort is frustrating at the least. You know, it's it's infuriating. Yeah, well, I think we all have moments in our lives where we have to come to face our faith. For instance, with your brother, you're like, this is a moment where my faith is meeting reality. Mm -hmm. What do I believe in this moment? Everything just kind of falls away Mm -hmm. except for what is left at the core and so that's why i think this is really good to have this conversation because at some point in everyone's life there will be a falling away of everything except for the core um, moment so i you know we can get to those moments and some people might have a real (laughs) strong confidence like you know what it's going to be okay because i believe x other people might be like i don't know what's going to happen in this moment, and then, you know, there's people at other different points, too. But I think what happens with a lot of people who have been raised Christians or have been thinking about God is they get to those moments, and they start to have questions, or they start to doubt, and then they doubt themselves, and they're like, well, have I ever had faith? Like, am I saved? You know, they're asking all of those questions, and so... That's why I think it's great to have this conversation now to say, like, before we question whether or not we have faith, let's, what is it? Let's talk about what it is. Yeah, at the time that I was going through that, and like anyone else who's gone through that, you can come at it from a lot of different places where you might be someone who's grown up Christian and you might already have a bunch of confidence prior to that situation happening, but it really does tear away everything. If you don't have these conversations prior, if you don't think these thoughts and ask yourself those questions, you will ask yourself those questions at that time, and it's not going to be yeah. nearly as good a time to do so had you had had you have already built that foundation of faith, mm-hmm. which I think 
if you haven't already built that foundation, it's going to be harder to do at that time. Yeah. I know that I was just dipping my toes into religion at that time, but I had already asked myself a lot of those tough questions because when I dive into something, I can't not like dive all in. Yeah. So I think at that time, I'd already done a lot of that background work to where like when that happened, I was a little bit more prepared as to you know what does this mean for me, but as well as what does that mean for like my worldview and yeah. like, my religion and spirituality. Absolutely. Harry, earlier you said, well, we can have faith in God, but we can also have faith in other things. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So that sparked my interest in just searching a dictionary definition of the word faith. Webster's. Yep. And Google provided me with two different uh, definitions. Love it. The first is complete trust or confidence in (laughs) someone or something. (laughs) (laughs) Complete? Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I don't like That's that going to make you very happy. Yeah, I don't like that one. <laughs> the second one is strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof, which is... I like that one. Better. Yeah. <laughs> better as far as our conversation. Obviously, the first one, they tried to give it a very secular, a this definition. applies to anything yeah, yeah, yeah. situation. Right. The second one is directly applied to religious faith. Right. Um, and basically what they're saying is you believe in a certain religion, not based on proof that that religion is true, but rather spiritual. They use the word spiritual apprehension, mm-hmm. which I would say is kind of like spiritual gut feelings mm-hmm. almost, um, or or spiritual experience. It's one of the words that we translated to English that covers a lot of things in the Old Testament. Faith, you mean? Yeah. yeah. So... I'll just read this verbatim. Um, This is from Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. Faith in the Old Testament, New Testament carries several meanings. It may mean simple trust in God or in the word of God. And at other times, faith almost becomes equivalent to active obedience. It may also be the expression and affirmation of creedal statement. It also comes to mean the entire body of received Christian teaching or truth. So it can mean a lot of things. And then it goes on to list the Old Testament I'll read a little bit of that. It says the Old Testament also strongly emphasizes faith as confidence in God's covenant or in the covenant God has made with Abraham and his descendants. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because that was like their context, right? Um, Yeah, the New Testament, as over against the Old Testament, where the accent is on the faithfulness of God, the New Testament, the emphasis is placed on the active responding faith of the hearer to the promised final revelation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It seems like it just carries a lot of meaning. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think we, we can continue to talk about it this way. It's, it's really hard to say um, we're talking about this kind of faith and not this kind of faith. But yeah. Well, I do appreciate making that distinction. Old Testament versus New Testament, that's like a really black and white way of looking at things. Right. But it sounds like in the Old Testament, faith is more so a complete trust it's the trust in the covenant that God has made with Abraham. It's the tr- it's, it's trusting in God. Right. Um, whereas in the New Testament, especially in like the epistles, it's more so action. It's more so reflected through your actions that you have faith. Right. Live by faith. Yes. The passage that came to mind for me, and I think probably comes to mind for many people if they're well-versed in Scripture, is Hebrews 11, which is oftentimes just called the faith chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, Faith list of people. Yep. It starts out with the author of Hebrews, who is basically just anonymous. We don't really know who wrote it, but it seems like he was basically writing a sermon to some church addressing it to Hebrews. So I I think that's important. That context is that his audience is Jewish people who believe in Christ, or at least he's trying to convince Mm -hmm. to believe in Christ. And he's writing this sermon and the whole Mm -hmm. first 10 
chapters of this sermon is basically like an analysis of Jesus, and he analyzes Jesus from all these different perspectives, like he's our priest. And, you know, obviously since you're Jews, you know what it means to be a priest, so here's what it means for Jesus to be a priest. He's all these other things. Here's what it would be in the Jewish context. Here's what it looks like now in the Jesus context. And then he gets to Hebrews 10, 35, and he says, Therefore, because of all those things that Jesus is, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have a need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preservation of the soul. And then he goes on to 11 to say, okay, now what is faith? Mm -hmm. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. Well, let's just time out right Yep. (laughs) So I feel like that's almost an oxymoron what he says. Okay. The comp, the, the assurance, the assurance of hoped, hoped for. for. So the the assurance that would mean it's going to happen for sure, and then of things hoped for. I don't th- like. I think of that as like a maybe, and then the conviction of things unseen. I don't mm-hmm. know. I feel yeah, like that's somewhat. Well, initially it seems like a paradox. He's mm-hmm. giving his thesis statement right here, mm-hmm. and then he's going to flesh out his arguments through the um, actions of people throughout the rest. Statement. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And I'm skipping through things. Mm -hmm. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, Abraham obeyed by going to receive an inheritance. For he went out not knowing where he was going. So, he goes through all these lists of people in the Old Testament. Again, his audience is Jewish people who are really, really Mm -hmm. well-versed in all these stories. And so, he starts bringing up people who have faith. And Mm -hmm. so, he's saying, okay, back to the beginning. It is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So, we'll take the example of Abraham being called to a promised land Mm -hmm. that God calls him out to go to. Abraham is apparently pretty comfortable with where he's living Mm -hmm. at this moment. He hasn't decided to move on his own. It's not like while he was moving, God said, hey, I've got a place for you to move. This is where you want to go. Yeah, he was living in his homeland. And God said, hey, I'm going to take you to this promised land. Follow me there. And so Abraham hopes that the place he is going is going to be a better place than where he is. Mm -hmm. In his sureness of that hope, he acts to follow God's call. He's so sure that this hope of a better place is true, that he will act on it and leave his home and go there and he's convicted that even though he's never seen this new land that it will be better Hmm. as god has promised it so here's a question if you were to read um on and specify more examples Mm -hmm. the question that i have is can you have faith without action 
Are those two things intrinsically linked? And, so, and, and if yeah. so, can faith only be proven retroactively? Can you only be like, yes, that person ha- had faith or has faith based on their actions? That, that's, what I, that's the question I have in reading that. First thing I want to say is that I, I think it's really important for us as Protestants to talk about faith because this is actually really the purpose of the Reformation. Mm. Because um, the Reformation basically came about because people thought that you had to do things to get into heaven. And that was a large part of Martin Luther's um, thesis was that no, all you have to have is faith. So huge part of that is no, you don't have to have works, but um, works are a natural consequence of faith. So you can identify faith of people by their works, but just because they have works doesn't mean they have faith. So the most predominant way to identify faith in others would be through their works, their actions. But individually, personally, it's not works that's going to create or solidify your faith. Yes. So what does? Almost all the examples are concrete actions, actions but yeah. there is at least one mm. um, that's not a concrete action, and that's Sarah's faith. And he says, By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even though she was beyond the proper time of life, she considered him faithful who had promised. So, man, that was hard for me. I feel like she didn't have faith. Yeah, I know. It is really interesting. <laughs> it se- it doesn't really seem like she has faith, but I guess you could say there is some intrinsic action that follows that needs to be done for a human to come into the world. Yeah. And so she had faith I enough to, what to, to mm. complete those actions That's and, true. and lead them to their natural conclusion. Yeah. Um that's, you know, reading between the lines, that's not spelled out. And maybe that's a good thing, too, because it shows story. us that you don't have to have perfect faith. Yeah. Well, and I can not to use that exact action or something like that, but I, too, have had faith in, like, um, not God, but, like, situations where, you, so, in making those cookies, you just got to beat them counterclockwise, and then they'll come out great. And I'm like, that's that's stupid. Kind of, and, like, the next time I'm making cookies, I'm like, might as well try it. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that, that might be the same sort of thing. We're like, yeah, it's not perfect faith, right. but at least you do consider it right yeah so i think all of these have a beginning point in the mental so abraham abraham had to have had an understanding of god that when god says something his word becomes true and and he is faithful to his word if he didn't have that understanding of God, he wouldn't have followed him mm-hmm. to the promised land. And so I think that's that's one point is it always starts with reason and then continues on into action. My favorite example of this is David. David had a hope that even though Israel was not the world power at the time, mm-hmm. that God's promise to him was that at some point in history, Israel, all their enemies will be defeated and they will have a kingdom of peace and justice and love um, that was reigned by God. David believed that and that was his hope and he was very sure of that hope and he was so sure of that hope that he took some stones and a slingshot to kill an armored giant. Like, you know, he reasoned in his head. He was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I have seen God work before I believe that God is faithful and true. And so based on that rationale, I believe that even if I go here and I die in front of Goliath, that it will be a willing thing to do because in the end, God will conquer the Philistines Mm -hmm. and we'll have our kingdom. Yeah, and I guess to flip my question around, maybe it's unfair to ask, like, can you not have faith without action? It's like, can you not have action without faith? 
Like, could you mm-hmm. possibly act on anything? Like, could I take one step forward if I didn't believe in gravity, you know? No. It's more where you place your faith. Yes. That is going to define your actions. It's going to define how you how that's you build a, your life. That's an interesting thing. I, I've been reading about Josiah, the young king, and what really... I, I love I love um, the story of Josiah about the young king who follows God and turns everybody back to God, everybody that forgot about God. But um, the end is just so tragic. Hmm. Basically, he gets to the end, and there's this Persian king that's coming across the land, and he's like... Hey, like, God's with me, don't challenge me. And Josiah's like, no, like, we've won all these other battles. Like, what's to stop us from winning this one? And he has faith in his army, not faith in God. And he gets absolutely decimated, yeah. even though he's been, like, this perfect king up to this point. Yep. Old Testament's repeating that a lot. You know, yeah. David and everything. Like, yep. there is no perfect king until Jesus. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Josiah had faith. He just put it in the wrong place. So that's interesting, too, because we've, we're talking about faith solely in having faith in God, and having faith in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's even taken a step back. That's where mm-hmm. our last conversation got us. What, right. does it, what does it mean to have faith in the Bible? It's uh, like, that's, yeah. not, that's not really that hard to understand because I have faith in gravity. I have faith that the sun is going to sure. like rise and, and set every single day. Maybe I understood what faith was more so than I thought. Hmm. But mm-hmm. to have faith in the Bible, to have faith yeah. in the God of Israel, let alone the God of the universe, is, is just so intangible sometimes for you yeah. to grasp. Well, I actually think this is where the whole conversation becomes really tangible. Um, So I think when we're asking what does it mean to have faith in the Bible, what you're asking is what is the claim that the Bible is making about the world Mm -hmm. and what worldview I should hold? For instance, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Paul puts the story of the gospel this way. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you preached in vain. So that's all a setup. Dude, Paul's sentences are so hilarious sometimes. Yeah. Dude, comma, comma, semicolon, comma. For, yeah. Oh, like, dude, stop. Just, just put a period <laughs> at the end of your sentence. So, so that was all lead up to say, all right, here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. So, like, go talk to him is mm-hmm. what Paul is saying. And then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So what he's saying is, we've got the story of the scriptures, which comes to its completion in Jesus' resurrection. He puts it all in Mm -hmm. on Jesus' resurrection, and then he's like, hey, and if you want some tangible proof that this is what happened, go talk to these people. They all witnessed it, and Jesus even came to me. The resurrected Christ came to me and talked Mm -hmm. to me. Paul is saying the, the hinge of the story of the Bible is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in that, your life will have a naturally different outlook than mm-hmm. people who don't believe in that. I would certainly agree with that. And coming from the perspective of like, it's so hard for me to just 100% believe. And I'm not saying have faith. It's really hard for me to just 100% believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and it all happened the way it was written. Like that's really just hard for my scientific mind to hop on board with and believe. It does make sense to what Paul's saying and what we're saying is if I go through life 
believing that Jesus is the resurrected king, just like how I believe that gravity keeps me on the ground and that the sun will rise each and every day, that my life is going to be better. And like, not just better, but like that, that will be a faith filled life. That Mm -hmm. will be a, a better way of life. I think that I definitely agree with that. And it does make faith a whole lot more tangible than just like, have faith, bro. You just got to have faith, you know? Yeah. So I think putting it in Paul's equation, the hope there is that we hope that life is eternal beyond Mm -hmm. this existence and that God carries us through death into life. And that's that's the claim of the entire scriptures, even in the Old Testament. It it manifested itself differently in the Old Testament. And it was basically that even though we're living in a sinfully corrupted world, that God has a plan to redeem that mm-hmm, world. Right. And then we get to Jesus, and that's the, plan. that's the plan. So the sure hope is that we will live beyond death. And our confidence is that Christ was raised from the dead. So we say we have this hope that God provides life beyond death, and the evidence of that, just like David had evidence in his mind, mm-hmm. we have evidence in our mind, which is the resurrection of Christ. Yeah, like I, you, I'm getting closer, right? Yeah. And like I, I do have hope that there is life after death. I hope that people that I know that have died are in heaven right now, or at least mm-hmm. are, are living on, mm-hmm. or at least are not completely gone. Whatever that might mean. Mm-hmm. It's the evidence part that, like, Paul's like, go talk to them. And like, I so wish I could. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I would interview them like crazy. I'd be like, tell <laughs> yeah. me exactly what you saw. You know, I just, I don't have that evidence yeah. piece. I think um, that's a major part of what separates Christianity from other religions, too, is that it all hinges on faith. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing you can do to get you any closer mm-hmm. to that relationship. You can't attain enlightenment. You can't um, act good in this life and receive a better life in the next cycle like it's all that faith Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's where this conversation really swings its doors back to our previous conversation do we have faith in the narrative and like the authenticity of scripture because that's our evidence yeah because that's that's where our evidence lies And, and we talked about it last week we have evidence of this in some other ways too like childbirth and the growth of trees from mm-hmm. dead seeds mm-hmm. um, and, you know and there are many other things that show us just examples of life out of death in this world but ultimately the story of the scriptures is the one that is the most clear picture of this and for me at least is the one that like when i say why do i have faith that i will live on in god's presence after death it's because of the story of the scriptures you know, there's more evidence to say, well, Paul was this devout Pharisee who had everything going for him mm-hmm. and abandoned his life mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like, went from wealth to poverty, went from status to, like, no status, mm-hmm. and went from living safely in Jerusalem to traveling dangerously around the world. Why would he do that? But you have to, in order to say that's evidence, you have to say, well, I believe that the story is valid. I don't know why, too. Paul seems so much more real than Jesus to me. Mm-hmm. Is that like a blasphemous thing to say? I think it's because he, he's human, right? Like, for, I mean, and not God. Right. Jesus was human. But when you read his stories, you can relate to them. Yeah. One thing that Garrett said, too, is like at a certain point, you need to go look at all the lives of the martyrs that have lived for this particular religion. And you yeah. need to ask yourself, like, was their death worth it? Paul, was his complete... I don't know if you want to call it a conversion or like an evolution of thought 
and the way that he lived following that was that a mistake or was that not yeah and make I mean, your own decision that's a that's a great point there are so many people that have lived especially at the beginning of the religion of christianity that they made sure they would die by saying they're christians mm-hmm. like they didn't kill themselves but they actively proclaimed the gospel knowing that it would kill them that's a hard thing for me to get my mind around but yeah. especially when it's a tiny religion like that like mm-hmm. It'd be really hard for somebody to convince me that people just did it because they wanted to propagate a lie. Mm -hmm. Like, they're either insane or this is true. Yeah, and they say that multiple times in the Bible. I was trying to look for one of the quotes, and I can't find it. But they're like, hey, this is what we have faith in. And sad for us if this ends up not being true because we wasted our lives Mm -hmm. if it's not true. But we we have hope and assurance and confidence that that it is true and that we're not wasting our lives i think this is actually even though it seems like we're getting like real ethereal and high level i think this is actually really where it becomes tangible Mm -hmm. because the story of faith the thread of faith throughout the scriptures is that the people who have faith in the bible their mind is on the thing to come and that that's their hope for abraham his hope is that he will have a family line that lives on in the promised land. And so everything he does, not everything, but a lot of the things that he does is based on that hope. He leaves his home. Mm -hmm. He makes love to his 100-year-old wife expecting a child. And he does a lot of things that would be deemed ridiculous. And, And for David, his hope is that eventually all of the enemies of Israel will be conquered and that Israel will have a kingdom of their own, even though they're this small, like, not military state. There's no rational reason for him to believe that he can go out there in front of Goliath and kill this guy. Like, just just nothing. But the reason that he acts in that way is because his mind is on this, this hope that he holds, and he acts in faith. And so I think as Christians, if our mind, the thing that our mind is set on is eternity with God to come. And so if we believe that, then our actions will change. It'll just naturally change. you have to believe that to eternity with God everyone needs to picture that a little bit differently sure because you know that that might mean a lot of different things to different people like some people see them as like basking in a pool in the clouds other people see it as just like we've already talked about what is heaven right mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people see that as something different but however you need to see it to have faith or however you need to see it to point your life in a faithful direction yeah I think is what is what you're saying that the scriptures are calling us to do yeah and I guarantee it'll be better than anything anybody's dreamt up yet well and I was gonna say too is the fact that we all just don't kill ourselves or like are self-serving all the time is that evidence that like everyone has a kernel of faith in them mm. so like I started from like I'm, I don't even know if I have faith to like maybe everybody has faith and they just don't even know it because like what would the world look like if not a single person had any shred of hope that there was anything after this life. Like, they'd probably all, like, be trying to, like, claw their ways to the top. Like, they'd probably all be trying to yeah. just gratify themselves as much as they could. I think you see that in some people, but definitely not in most people. No, not, not in the majority, you know. And I would, I would say that's probably more evidence of God's grace existing mm. outside of Christians than their own. Than their faith. Own faith. And I, I don't have any, I don't have much to back that up, mm-hmm. but I just believe that God exists outside of Christians. 
Mm. and that his grace can influence people that aren't Christians. Mm. This is maybe a tangent, but it's one thing that came to my mind. We live in Lincoln, Nebraska, so I have to use the most common pastoral metaphor oh, to no. talk about things. The Huskers! <laughs> yep, yep, which is, oh, no. which is the Huskers. So, so putting this in, a, in another practical, practical <laughs> place, the hope for Nebraska football, what we believe is that we are the best team in football. We believe that. Um, because we know it's true because we have five championships. Because the gospel to prove of 1995, it. dude. Yep. Yep. Alabama is not the greatest team in football. <laughs> you know why? Because they would never have beaten our 1995 championship <laughs> team. And so we live, we live in this hope, and we display our faith by painting ourselves red mm-hmm. and selling out a stadium to every a losing single team week. every <laughs> single week. The Huskers lose over and over yeah. and over again, and yet we are so sure that we are the best team in football history mm-hmm. that we continue to sell 90,000 tickets to that losing team. <laughs> First of all, well done. <laughs> yeah. Secondly, I feel like the pharisaical view is since we've been so good at football before, this is what the new kingdom's going to look like. We're going to be the best in the world. Right. And what Jesus would be is really like, no, actually, you're going to have the best swim team in the world. <laughs> Everybody's like, no, this isn't what you promised the us. swim team. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That that was just what came to my mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see, you see faith in abounding in a stadium yeah. like it doesn't matter who you're playing against like it's there it's also reflected in their downcast faces the next yeah. day when, when they get so when they sure 76 <laughs> to zero and their the mood is ruined for the next five days but maybe a misconception i have is that like faith is easy for people you know because mm-hmm. it appears that way to me when i speak to someone who has a lot of faith it appears to be easy and, and all those examples none of that's easy <laughs> You know, in all of those examples of life, and, and and those are really, really hard situations. You know, the Huskers, right? <laughs> like, mm. even at the end of those yeah. situations, it's not easy, you know? It's not easy to continue to have faith. So maybe that's like a, a myth that I'd like to de- debunk on this episode, right? It's like, it's not easy to have faith. It's not effortless to have faith. Like, it's something you need to work on all the time, knowing that at the end of your life, you still might not ever receive assurance. And I think that was that was the point of what I was bringing that up for, is that I think it encourages Christians to look for and hold on to the manifestations of hope that they do see mm-hmm. here in the world. Because, yeah, I mean, any person, if you tell them that, hey, I believe I'm going to be resurrected from the dead when I die, like, yeah. you can say that, and people would be like, you're a moron. Well, what if someone says to you, I have faith in Satanism. I right. have faith that the, the world is ruled by the devil. And you know what I see? You know what I, like, hold true is that, like, there's bad stuff happening around us all the time. Like, how is that different? Correct, it's not scripturally sound. And, like, let's go back to the last conversation. Like, why do we put our faith in this particular book? Yeah. Right. How would you refute that? It, I would ask why. Yeah. You know, and if, if their evidence is everything that's going on around them, I, it's not terrible evidence, but it's not great evidence. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they have the ability to believe that. But I would hope that if that person was willing to speak into my life, they'd let me speak into their life, too. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, you could definitely talk to them about it. That's what we talked about before, like... We're, we're kind of a crazy religion that we put so much weight in all this text. Mm-hmm. Most religions don't. It exists a lot outside of the text and like things you do and habits. But as a Satanist, like what's your what what's your foundation? How do you know that somebody well, around the other side of the world is thinking the same thing you do if they call themselves a Satanist? Okay, well then maybe the Satanist was a bad example. Like mm-hmm. the agnostic, right? Yeah. Like I believe that no one knows the answer. 
mm-hmm. which is like half the time, maybe more, that's where I'm at. Like, sure. I truly believe that no one knows the answer. You know, I don't even know what I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what would you say to someone like that? Like, that's faith in not knowing that you are assured that there are things not seen. You just are not going to yeah. go past that statement. I would ask that person if they if they think that no one knows the answer, then that implies that there is an answer. And Whoa. if they would be willing to, like, go down that road with me and say, hey, I think I have that answer. Like, what do you think about what I, my belief is? That was a bomb statement right there. <laughs> <laughs> that does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and the atheist would say to counteract that, yeah, yeah. there is no answer. Right. No answer. Yeah, not not only does no I one know, know the answer, no one no will answer. ever know the answer because there is no answer. Right. Because this is just all random chance. So rat race. Yeah. Honestly, like, I think atheism requires just as much faith, if not more, than Christianity. Mm-hmm. Because at least Christians have something to point to, whether it's, it's wrong or not. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like, I'm not saying, like... If you're in a conversation with an atheist, I'm not going to say, this Bible's true, like, I can prove it to you, because I can't. But, like, at least I have something to point to. An atheist really doesn't. That takes a lot of faith. And they have to refute everything. Yeah, Like, they have to refute the Koran and the Bible. Like, they have to literally say, oh, yeah, there is is evidence out there, and it's trash. Whereas the agnostic is like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on, and, like, that statement, like, I don't know the answer, implies that there is an answer, but they feel like it's unattainable. They don't want to land on... One of the religions that's presented before them. Yeah. Shoot. Like, I, I've talked to a lot of atheists before, and I, I I don't have a problem talking with somebody, but I won't talk about religion with an atheist that is going to refuse to believe. Right. Because we're just, we're, we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I'm going to not believe. Right. So, like, we could still be friends and everything, and that's fine. But an agnostic, if they are a true agnostic looking for the truth, then that's mm-hmm. a great conversation mm-hmm. probably. But a lot of their questions would be, like, what makes your God different from other gods? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Yeah, well, and I think that's where the story of Hebrews, that's his whole goal in Hebrews, is to say, like, this is the story that we have. Now, he's he's writing to Jewish people who buy into that story, and he's saying, here's why we should conclude that Jesus is the continuation of this story, right. and here's what it means to have faith in him. I would go back to our previous conversation to say the reasons I have faith in this book are numerous. You know, even if I know that it is a divine and human word that has been edited and has been, you know, maybe had some redactions here and there and is like argued about what should go in there or not. Like the whole narrative is telling me something and that something is that sin has corrupted God's great world but God has a plan to redeem his world from sin and to give it a new and more better life. Um, And that plan is Jesus. And I have a lot of reasons to believe that. And part of it is history and the fact that, you know, humanity hasn't just burned itself into Mm -hmm. the ground yet. Mm -hmm. um, And that not everyone just says my pleasure is great and my pain is minimum and that's what I'm looking for because yeah eventually that just leads to a chaotic world of death my evidence is in nature I've said that enough times I don't think I need to say it again yeah. my evidence is in the persistence and the growth of the Christian movement and so there there are, I think there are a lot of reasons to believe this story and just like probably someone who is a Muslim would say there are a lot of reasons to believe in their story as well. I, I don't know those enough, and like I said, maybe yeah. we can bring someone in and mm-hmm. have them talk. I think that'd be that'd be really cool. But that's the ultimate question, is what he is posing here in Hebrews. And he's saying, all right, 
the whole story of scripture is about this and it hinges on this moment and if you have faith in Jesus' resurrection then you are going to begin to live differently mm-hmm. because of that faith here's how people in the Old Testament lived differently right. here's how we should live differently and even taking a step back to even if your goal is not to believe this book mm-hmm. those reasons should be more than enough for you to pick it up right? Yeah. for you to read it there's so many people out there. I, I will openly admit that I've not read the whole Bible. Yeah. I'm trying to, you know, yeah. and I don't want to just blaze through it. I want to like thoughtfully go through it. But I there's really so many like people that. that. Yeah, like the, I really, I think that's really cool because you've been spending so much time like studying what it's about before you're reading it. Mm-hmm. That you're gonna have a completely different point of view than most people that start reading the Bible. For sure. For sure. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's no. just really cool. No, and I've and I've opened up the Bible before, um, before having a deeper thought about what it is. Yeah. And I could, I couldn't. You know, it's hard for you to to get after oh, it yeah. unless you think about what the whole thing is. I would say 95 percent of people that read Deuteronomy Numbers and Leviticus, mm-hmm. like just push through it mm-hmm. because they need to, to read the whole Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying mo- like, I'm not saying it's really interesting reading, but if you can have uh, context for what it is in understanding what the old Testament is, the narrative of the old Testament into the new Testament, you'll get something out of it. I was once told by somebody when I was like, I'm about to read the Bible. They were just like, just skip numbers. <laughs> yep. When, and what we're saying is like, no, don't just skip it. Like, right. But understand what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like take the time to look at mm-hmm. it and go, okay, like, yeah, this is going to be dense. There's going to be stuff that looks stupid and but, like barbaric, but like take time to like understand what this is, where mm-hmm. it came from. And realize that it's part of a larger story, yeah. which leads to the whole, the whole yeah. evidence of our faith. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Canyon Coffee for the delicious coffee we've been drinking today. Mm-hmm. If you've been watching our videos, then you see it. But if you've only been listening to the audio, then you don't know that we are run on Canyon Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. And also the music that you hear is from Clink Tracks and also John Jones Project. So thanks to you all for making awesome music that we can share. Yeah.